Hey guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is your host, Ekta, and this is a wonderful masterclass series that we are going to be doing with the phenomenal Dr. Victoria Weitzman, who is a celebrity dentist. She has worked on the best of the best, and she has pretty much the most experience I think we can count on in the industry. So I'm really excited. We had her on once before, and I'm so excited about this masterclass. We're going to be doing a code series with her to explain her trifecta philosophy around oral health, beauty, and wellness. And I'm really excited about this. So it's going to be a three-part masterclass. And for the first one, it's going to be all about the code to oral health and smiles. So welcome, Dr. V. I'm so excited to have you on to dive into this. Thank you, Dr. Ekta. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to do this three-part masterclass and talk about my trifecta philosophy and talk about the code to oral care in this episode. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about that. And I think with oral health, we all have a lot of questions, but I really want to kind of dive into you. Just if you could tell us a little bit quickly about your background, because I know it's very, very impressive. And I could talk for like a whole episode about all the amazing work you've done just to let our listeners know about your background. Thank you so much. So I am a cosmetic dentist and I practice in both New York City and LA. And my practice focuses exclusively on smile makeovers, full mouth rehabilitations, and really empowering people with confidence by transforming their smile. And over the years, my practice has evolved into exclusively doing cosmetic work. And I abide by the trifecta philosophy where we not only look at oral health, but we look at beauty and overall wellness too. So I call that the trifecta philosophy. And we'll be talking a little bit about that today. But I think it's so important when we look at oral care, beauty and wellness to really look at things 360 and holistically. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I love that you're doing this in the space of dentistry, because honest to God, I think so many people have questions about this area of wellness and health. And I just don't feel like there's enough of a holistic approach. So I absolutely love you approach it from that standpoint, you know, so that's really cool. I want to ask you as our first question, though, like, what would you say is your code a healthy and beautiful smile? Because I know we all have our own version of a beautiful smile. But really, if you were to like sum it up? Yeah, no, thank you. And I think actually, before I dive into the code to oral care, I happen to think that there's a code to everything. I think that there's a code to living well, I think there's a code to living a life of purpose. I think there's a code to beauty. I think there's a code to wellness. And that's all actually unlocked from the inside out. So let's dive into the code to oral health and wellness. And I think that looking at the mouth as a part of a greater system is really important. I happen to like very simplified systems for things. I think there's a real elegance and beauty and simplicity. So for myself personally, being that I travel a lot and I've got a practice and I work on other projects. For me, simplicity is key to keep up with the routine and to make sure I'm disciplined in my self-care. So I think the code to a healthy smile is obviously brushing twice a day. I recommend an electric toothbrush, flossing. I know not everyone loves flossing, but it's super important. Also using a water pick is key. Tongue brushing, wearing a night guard if you grind your teeth, being cognizant of the fact that you may grind your teeth at night. Regular checkups are really important. I also think that things that you do 
for your overall systemic health are really important for your mouth as well. So hydration, for instance, I think is an important piece or important code to oral health. Our mouth has a certain pH. And when that gets imbalanced, different signs start to show up. So we always want to, so the average pH of the mouth is around, I would say like 6.7 or so. And anytime we get imbalanced through acidic things that we eat or consume, that throws off our oral microbiome Mm -hmm. and bacterial growth in our mouth. And also keeping the tooth enamel strong is another code or key to oral health. And how do we do that? We do that with toothpaste that have maybe nano hydroxy appetite, or we use teeth remineralizing agents. We avoid things that are acidic that can eat away at that enamel. Because remember, enamel is something that doesn't necessarily grow back. We can remineralize it. But when it comes to the beauty of the smile and the health of the smile, it really comes from the foundational strength of the teeth and the health of the teeth. I also think another code to oral health is salivary function because that's what's going to maintain the pH of the mouth. So there's so many things that we can do to ensure that we're keeping our mouth healthy, replacing your toothbrush regularly, eating a balanced diet, avoiding things like tobacco, keeping alcohol at a minimum because that can dehydrate your mouth, limiting snacks and sugary foods. Yeah, no, I like that you laid that out because I think that's something that a lot of times we get confused. What is the right routine? So you had mentioned brushing your teeth twice a day and then how long should we be brushing optimally? Like what's recommended? I would say ideally you should be brushing for about two minutes at a time twice a day. I definitely love the electric toothbrush because I think you can do so much more. It gets so much more of that bacteria under control. There's so many more repetitions per minute than you could do with your hand. And then when it comes to flossing, there is the regular floss. I happen to love the water pick because I think it's so much more effective in kind of getting into those nooks and crannies, but sometimes a combination of both is the trick too. That's great. Okay. I believe in that because I follow that myself with the electric toothbrush and the water pick and they work so well. So I know what you mean. And for everyone listening out there, a little mental note, you know, (laughs) go out and get yourself these two things because they do make a difference. They make a huge difference in your daily routine. So I also think something that's not talked about a lot are oral probiotics. I think that's really important. And we may talk about that later, but I think that the oral microbiome and keeping that in check is really important to the overall environment of the mouth. And that affects from the teeth to the gums to even bad breath. So that's really important to keep in check. I love that. Yeah, I want to dive into that a little later as well. And with that, I want to actually segue into asking you like about the bad habits for our smile, for our just oral hygiene in general. Like what are some major bad habits that you think everyone should just avoid or that you've noticed practice seeing your patients? Yeah, so I would say some of the main culprits when it comes to oral health are you want to avoid smoking. Wine is something that'll stain your teeth. It's a little bit acidic, as is coffee. I'm not going to say don't do it. I'm just going to say if you're having acidic things like wine and coffee, definitely rinse with water after. And don't, for instance, have a glass of wine and go straight to bed. Another thing that I see commonly, especially now when everyone's a little bit stressed out, is grinding and clenching and biting things, biting objects that you shouldn't be. So that can cause like little chipping and things like that. So those I would say are like the major culprits that I see when it comes to oral health, but we definitely have control over these things. So it's a matter of just being self-aware, 
realizing what you're doing, catching yourself in action, and uh, just regulating your behavior. Absolutely. And it sounds like from the things you've mentioned, acidity is the major thing that we're trying to keep under balance, right? Is that correct? The acid levels. Yes. I would say the acidity is one of the main things, as is the oral microbiome. I think those two are really important when it comes to the um, environment of the oral cavity. They make such a difference when it comes to inflammation, inflammatory markers, cavities, periodontal disease. So I agree. I think that acidity levels, pH, and the oral microbiome are huge when it comes to oral health. Interesting. Okay. So a lot of your patients are pretty high profile patients, and I know that they're looking for the best of the best. And so I want to know what are they really looking for and what procedures do you do the most of? So when patients come to see me, primarily they're looking to beautify their smile. They're really looking for a sense of greater confidence. They're looking to kind of work on those maybe insecurities they've had for their entire lives sometimes. And the most common procedures I do under the umbrella of cosmetic dentistry is smile makeovers, full mouth rehabilitations. We do a lot of porcelain work. So we actually don't do fillings or root canals or surgery, but really patients are just looking for an improvement in the beauty of their smile, the health of their smile, the functionality of their smile, and also just for an overall improved appearance of the face because there's so many factors in the smile that affect overall facial beauty. We do a lot of what we call dentofacial aesthetics and anti-aging dentistry. So people come in for a lot of different things, but I would say the main underlying theme is improved confidence, improved health, and just an improved aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's like a, I feel like recently we've seen a lot more of that. I think for me, I started noticing on social media, a lot more people were opting for more cosmetic procedures in dentistry. And it kind of made the light bulb go off for me as a consumer where I hadn't really seen that so readily, right? In terms of just people wanting to go in and get veneers done or something. So could you tell us a little bit about the process of the veneers going through that and going through a smile makeover, if you can walk us through that whole process, because I'm very curious about it. <laughs> totally. And, and I think you're right. I think, you know, historically, there's been so much stigma around cosmetic work or even smile makeovers. But I really do believe, and I always say this, I'm such a huge proponent about transformation and, and taking control of our lives. And if there's something that's bothering us, we have the power to change that. We have the power to give ourselves back the confidence that we may not have or may have lost over the years. We live in an age where we can do those things. And that goes beyond the smile. That goes like any part of our lives. So when patients come in, we really assess their why. Why are they doing this? But more importantly, you know, like what are their goals? What are their aesthetic goals? What have they been through? What is their history? We take impressions, we get our models back. We have a ceramist that's dedicated to helping us with smile designs. And we actually look at the entire face to see how we can restore balance and harmony to the face. And we can actually try that smile and see how it looks. The patient is very involved in the process. It's a highly collaborative process. So patients don't come in, we don't dictate exactly what they're gonna get. We certainly guide them, but we definitely lead with what that patient's desires are and what their unique needs are. So there is no cookie cutter approach. Patients are in temporaries for a couple of weeks after we've prepared the teeth. Those temporaries sort of serve as a template and they allow us to see what the smile will look like, allow the patient to see what the smile will feel like. We can then make changes to that smile. 
We then get our final restorations back from our ceramist. We try everything in, make sure we love it, make sure the patient loves it, make sure the fit is right. And only then does everything get put in permanently. And there are several follow-up visits. We normally recommend a patient wear a night guard, continue with the regular checkups. Veneers and smog makeovers generally last, I would say, about 15 years or so, depending on how well you take care of your smile. So that's about the process of a smile makeover and smile design. There really is a huge creative component to this. There's science and art when it comes to designing smiles, which is why I love doing this. This is my absolute favorite procedure, and which is why I've dedicated my entire practice to it. It's really the creativity that goes into it, the emotional component of helping this patient gain back their confidence going on that transformative journey with them and seeing them step into this next stage of their life with this beautiful smile. It's amazing to see. I bet. I bet. And I completely understand when you said the artistic component, because, you know, if I came into your office and trying to tell you this is what my, I would want your opinion to like guide me. So I am sure that's a big feat to take on with every patient, that guidance component. And I think for consumers, that's very important. I really think that's something that we often don't think about with a lot of procedures, obviously with dentistry, but even when I think about in the realm of skincare and aesthetics and stuff, I'm like, there's just so much guidance that needs to take place here from the professional. And I love that you explained it that way, that it is like, there is an artistry component here. There is this component of, we have to guide you the whole time. And with that, I want to ask when somebody comes in and they are going through the process of, I want to get veneers, I want to get this whole process done. Is there a lot to choose from in terms of like the material of the veneer or any of those kind of technical things that we should be aware of. Yeah. And thank you for that point. I think that it's definitely a collaborative process with patients. Yep. And I really appreciate how my patients trust my aesthetic and my input into the process where I can guide it along just because I've done this so much. So it's really weaving my guidance, my expertise that I've accumulated over the years and what the patient's wants and needs are. And that's how we really create. And that's the process that I really love. Is there a lot to choose from? We have several materials that we can use. We have several shades, actually more than several shades. We can use all of the colors that we use for our veneers are not just one color. They're actually a combination of several colors. We add beautiful translucency to most of our cases so that they look natural. And then there are definitely choices when it comes to the shapes of the teeth, the size of the teeth, the width of the smile, and how that impacts the face. And also the shapes of the teeth too, kind of subconsciously or subliminally give people a message or kind of a perception about your smile or your even personality. For instance, rounded teeth and rounded edges may give the perception of a more feminine personality or more feminine smile, whereas right. uh, yeah, a little straighter across without too much curvature and without too much dimension, that could be a little bit more of a masculine smile or some people would say like a stronger smile. So there are so many things to consider, even the personality of the patient or the personality they're trying to portray because people make subconscious decisions or prejudgments about other people based on how they look and they may not even realize it. And a lot of that has to do with the smile. I see that a lot, especially with people that come in with smiles that have been neglected for a long time. And I hear the stories about how they're treated or how they're perceived when they go to a job or try to enter into social situations. And the nice thing is that we can change all that. 
Yeah, yeah. I love that you have this, again, this holistic approach because you're so right. I can honestly tell you with me personally, I have always had, I remember when I was younger, my dentist told me when I could remember like, hey, you're going to have crowding in the bottom row of my teeth. And I remember being like a teenager and being made fun of for stuff like that. So a lot of us, we have trauma from people making comments or whatever your situation might be, your personal experience. And so there's definitely that component of you have to go to somebody you can trust that can understand that mental health component and how it's affected you and why you're getting the procedure you're getting done, right? So that's really cool that you have such a holistic practice in that sense because, I mean, honestly, in the past, I've had some dentists not throwing any shade at anybody, but I'm just like, I feel like I'm just here for a transactional situation. Like, I can't relate to them. So it's kind of a huge deal to be able to relate. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that our holistic approach, our 360 approach to dentistry, how we treat patients, oral care, beauty, and wellness is really what sort of sets us apart a little bit. I think that I often do deal with patients with trauma from previous dental procedures or otherwise. And I think we have to be really sensitive to the place that people come from and meet them there. When patients come in, it could take a year before they're ready to start their treatment with us, but it's all about building that relationship with people and really understanding where they're coming from and being able to meet them at that place. And understand that there is a right time for everything. You know, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but it could be in six months or a year and that's totally okay. I think patience has been a big part of our practice approach. Just being patient with people and where they are and really fully understanding where they've come from. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can totally see that. Now, I want to actually shift gears a little bit because I know on our podcast, we talk a lot about anti-aging and when it comes to dentistry, this is an area where I'm very, very curious how dentistry and the smile makeover and the things that you can do with cosmetic dentistry, how they fit in to the umbrella of anti-aging. So if you could speak a little bit about that, I'd love to hear your perspective from this dentistry standpoint. Yeah, totally. So when we talk about anti-aging in general, in the beauty industry or in the wellness industry, dentistry is not something that people often talk about. We're often talking about skin, hair, nails, vitamins, things like that. But dentistry is often not looked at as part of anti-aging aging or things that we could do to help get confused with anti-aging. You know, the smile is really one of the first places where aging shows up. We see that in a myriad of different ways, right? We see chipping of the teeth, yellowing of the teeth. We see loss of volume sometimes of the teeth. You know, skin loses volume. We lose collagen in the skin, but our teeth also lose volume with time. And what happens then is this lower part of the face starts to collapse as the teeth lose vertical volume. So what we can do then is restore that volume to the lower third of the face, right? And we could take 10 to 15, sometimes 20 years off of a face. Often patients will come in and ask me, well, should I get a facelift? Should I do my teeth? I always say, do your smile makeover first, get back that foundational support that you have lost. And then maybe any other procedures that you might need to that lower third of the face or your entire face could be more conservative. So what we try to address with anti-aging dentistry is 
loss of volume and collapse of the lower third of the face. Also, there are things that happen, not just that we see on the outside of the face, but internally. And when we look at the gums, the gums also go through an aging process. They become thinner. You'll have potentially gum recession, bone loss. These are all things that we need to look at and be proactive about. And there are definitely things that we can do for all of this, whether it's regular dental visits, seeing a specialist, certain supplements, you could take like antioxidants and all those things that are good for your body are definitely good for your mouth too. Absolutely. I love that education there because I think that we have so much preventative medicine and philosophies floating around with so many other aspects of anti-aging, but with dentistry, we don't hear enough about it. So if you were to estimate around an age where you should start thinking down this road, right? Where you know with aging, this happens with your teeth, right? What you just explained to us, what would be a good age? for somebody to come in and see you and just start doing preventative stuff, whether it's just getting your opinion or just doing something that makes them feel like I'm keeping up with my oral health. I'm keeping up with the aesthetics of it all. What's a good age to start all of that and really consider it? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll get to it in one second. I just want to go back to one of your points. I think that looking at anti-aging when it comes to dentistry is super important. I love the idea of kind of breaking the mold with how we look at anti-aging and how we look at wellness and how we look at beauty. And I think that the integration of dentistry into the anti-aging philosophies that are out there is huge. It's not a totally separate process that happens in your body or in your mouth. It's highly integrated to the aging process that's happening as time goes on in every system of your body. So I love the idea of breaking the mold in that way and really integrating dentistry into anti-aging, beauty, wellness, and how we think about all that. As far as your question about at what age do we start thinking about anti-aging? I mean, think about at what age do you start thinking about anti-aging for your skin or your body? The key is to be preventative and address things before they become an issue. So there's no one age to pinpoint really when it comes to looking at anti-aging dentistry or signs that we look at. We really assess patients not by their age, but by the symptoms that they present. So for instance, we could have a patient that is is maybe 72, but her mouth looks like she's in her 40s. Conversely, we can have a patient that is maybe 27, but her mouth looks like she may be in her 70s. And this has happened so many times. So when it comes to anti-aging, it's highly specific to the individual. And it's also think about anti-aging dentistry the same way you think about anti-aging and wellness and beauty. It's not so much addressing symptoms as they appear. It's being proactive. You know, you're wearing sunscreen, you're doing all these things for your skin, but what are you doing for your mouth? What are you doing for your teeth and what are you doing for your gums to help prevent that aging process or pro-aging as we like to call it? Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like it's just preventative and it always shocks me because with dentistry, people never realize it dates back to 2600 BC. In ancient Egypt, they were practicing things that were like preventative. They were doing things like putting dental bridges in to delay tooth decay and stuff like that. Now, when I look at our society, I'm always like, why aren't we gravitating towards this much more? where we are taking that preventative and just more proactive, like you said, approach to our to our dental care. And I completely echo everything you're saying. I think it's such an important topic. And we really, as consumers, we need to really focus there because you're right. You made such a great point earlier about, for example, getting a facelift. You should look at all of the components that make a face look like it's age. And I really love that you had brought up the component of dentistry here because we don't really think about that. When we're considering something like a facelift, 
just or a serious procedure that you would go through for anti-aging purposes, you're not looking at all of the different components. You're just looking at, I want my face to be lifted. But yeah. really, things like this could make a huge difference and you wouldn't even know it. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, you're totally right. Like when you look at making a change, you really have to look at all of the parts that make up the face, not just one, right? Yeah. So what are the foundational structures? What are all the components that will impact how the face looks? And I think teeth and the smile such a huge part of that. And we need to start looking at that more. Absolutely. Now, I want to ask you, what is dentofacial aesthetic? If you were to sum it up. Dentofacial aesthetics is exactly what we just talked about. It is about improving the appearance of the overall face through the smile and how the beauty of the smile is related to the overall 360 facial beauty. So again, this is a 360 approach to facial beauty where we look at every part that makes up the face, every component of the face to enhance overall facial beauty, to create balance, to create harmony. When we design smiles, we're looking at everything. We're not just looking at the teeth. We're looking at the teeth, the gums, the lips, the skin tone, the eye color, the skin color, the shape of the face, how wide set apart the eyes are, the width of the nose. We're looking at everything. And dentofacial aesthetics is really just a way to create an impact through a smile makeover and how the two are related. You know, uh, when we look at the lower third of the face, it's really a third of the face. We call this the beauty ratio. It is literally one third of the face and has such an impact on overall facial beauty. And I think oftentimes when we look at the beauty industry, you know, we're talking about everything from the eyes up, right? We've got yeah. wrinkle creams for the eyes. We've got all kinds of things for your skin and for your eyes. But really, when we look at the lower third of your face, I think oftentimes it's kind of thrown to the wayside in terms of creating overall balance, overall facial beauty. So that's really what dental facial aesthetics is. It's the integration of a smile into overall facial beauty and how they're related. I love that. I love that. That's so cool. And it's so innovative. I really, really subscribe to that philosophy of this, of really looking at it in that way. And I might myself. Ever since I've met you, and I've had the chance to speak to you and like learn from you. I've been very particular about my dental just understanding of my own smile, of my own way of perceiving when you look in the mirror, like what is it that you think is causing whatever issue that you're concerned about? And a lot of times I have felt that as just a consumer, like, yeah, my smile is something I want to focus more on because it matters. And also your eyes go there. That's another thing. Like when you meet somebody, what are you looking at when you immediately meet them, right? The things that pop into mind are like your smile, that person's smile, that person's certain features pop up before the other ones. And I think that's such a an important component. So yeah, I really subscribe to that philosophy. But I want to actually circle back because I know you had a lot of really cool points you made earlier about the oral microbiome. And I would love to hear more about just obviously like explain to us like what is the oral microbiome, first of all, and then also like the supplements I want to learn more about as well. Yeah, for sure. So when we talk about the code to oral health, I think the things we spoke about like anti-aging dentistry, dental facial aesthetics are a huge part of that code. But I think the oral microbiome is as well. It is basically a community of microorganisms that live in your mouth and they play such an important role in maintaining overall health, but not just overall health, 
oral health. And there's such a huge connection between the two. You know, I always say the mouth is really the gateway to overall health. When we look at the oral microbiome, it's responsible for dental health. It impacts dental health directly because it affects the cavities that you may get, the gum inflammation you may have. It also has such a huge impact on the immune system. The oral microbiome communicates directly with the immune system. It helps regulate its responses. So it's really important there. And it has a huge component with systemic health because the oral microbiome is connected to the digestive microbiome. So, you know, our gut microbiome, which is like this big buzzword, you know, the gut microbiome actually starts in the mouth. So here again, we've got that holistic philosophy where the mouth and the gut are totally connected. The mouth is really where it all begins. And also the oral microbiome and the health of your mouth is linked to so many other systems, whether cognitive, cardiovascular, even it affects pregnant women and birth weights. There are studies that show that people with gum disease that could be caused by an imbalance in a microbiome have lower birth weights. There's an impact on oral health when it comes to autoimmune diseases. You know, there's a high correlation there. So not only is the oral microbiome a huge code to a healthy mouth, but it also has a huge correlation to overall systemic health, back to the philosophy where we can't, there's no way we can talk about the mouth without talking about the body and without talking about beauty because they're all just connected. Yes, absolutely. And I like that you brought up the systemic implications of what good oral hygiene and oral health really means because I've heard so many times in my own practice, obviously we learn about infective endocarditis and that's something that affects your heart and it's very linked to your oral health. That's exactly where the bacteria that can cause vegetations on your valves and your heart and stuff, like they come from that. And I love that you brought this up because a lot of the times when I'm seeing patients in the ICU, a lot of times they're also hand in hand, you're going to notice that their oral health is not up to par. You know what I mean? They've not been taking care of their oral health. And I think we often think that when it comes to things that make us feel more beautiful, like a good smile or anything, we want to just kind of isolate that and put that in a box and say, this is for beauty and this is for this. But really it isn't. It's what you were mentioning, which is it is systemic. And like you said, the gut, I mean, really, if you think about it, the upper GI system starts from the mouth. So that's everything is connected, you know, obviously with the gut, but then that gets absorbed and those bacteria are going into places like into your bloodstream and whatnot. So there's a huge component here from multiple angles. When you look at medicine, multiple specialists in medicine will tell you, you have to keep up with your oral health. So I completely resonate with what you said. It's very, very important. Yeah, exactly. Like nothing exists in a silo. No system in your body exists in a silo. Everything, there's a symbiotic relationship between all the systems. There's a certain synergy that has to occur for healthy living, for wellness and oral care. The health of your mouth is such a huge part of that. And like you said, it's really where it all begins. You know, the digestive tract begins in your mouth, right? So it's really just the foundation of overall systemic health and also the foundation of beauty. They're all just connected. It's very hard to talk about one thing without talking about
not the other. Absolutely. Now, I want to actually ask you about the supplements that you had mentioned earlier. Like, what are some things that we should keep in mind for the supplement component? So personally, I like to take liquid vitamins and minerals that are good for you systemically. But what people don't know is that the vitamins that are good for, for instance, your hair, skin, and nails are actually good for your teeth as well. They come from the same developmental layer, the ectoderm. And I think just taking care of your body in general and doing things that are good for you systemically, back to that whole interrelationship between oral health and systemic health. If you take care of yourself, you take care of your body, that's going to have trickle down effects for your mouth. And then there are certain things that could be good for your gums specifically. You know, there are things like antioxidants, there are probiotics, there are things that are not normally used or talked about in dentistry that are actually are good for your mouth and for your oral health. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I like that you tied that into embryology. That was really cool because I think we forget that all of the parts that you see in an adult, all of that came from certain tissues in your embryonic stages of life. So that's very important to acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. The teeth come from the same layer as the skin, the hair and the nail. So anything that's good for your hair, skin or nails is going to be good for your teeth and for your mouth as well. Absolutely. That makes sense. Well, this has been so fun. I love this first episode for everyone listening. This was the portion that is the code to oral health. And I hope you guys stay tuned because episode two is going to cover code to beauty. And I can't wait for tying that into beauty. And I really hope you guys stay tuned for that episode. But Dr. Weissman, thank you so much. This has been such an honor to chat with you. Of course. So great to chat with you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.